0: This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder? Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different person each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we Found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. My guest this week is Dr. Morgan Cutlip. Morgan knows what it feels like to lose yourself in motherhood, and she is determined to help mothers navigate it better. She's experienced and trained in translating psychological theory and research into practical, accessible, and actionable advice which she shares with her clients and social media followers. She's at Dr. Morgan Cutlip and through her courses, podcast and her blog as co-founder of MyLoveThanks.com. Her newest book, which is out this week is called Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself. And this book is all about how moms can banish guilt and beat burnout and find practical, feasible ways to take care of themselves and find joy in motherhood and enrich their relationships with their kids. Now, let me tell you, this conversation was so needed. And if you are not a mom, I'm telling you, dads, listen to this conversation. If you know uh, someone with kids in your life, if you know kids in your life, this conversation is for you. We got really deep. I may or may not have gotten on a couple of soapboxes. <laughs> so be forewarned for that. Um, this really was such a good conversation and I know you're going to love it. So without further ado, tune into my conversation with Dr. Morgan Cutlett. Today is a very exciting day because let me just say that when I have days like this where it was, it's been a day. That's just the way I can describe it is it's been a day. We've just had all of the hiccups, all of the things that could have gone technically wrong, have gone wrong. Our internet went out. Anyway, I get excited that then I get to have an interview that's actually like our internet's back and then I meet Morgan. Uh, And we realize that we have some connections. Like she knew my agent joy years ago. And we (laughs) turns out we have the same editor for our books. Like, which I know that makes us sound very fancy. It's like (laughs) (laughs) agents and editors. editors. (laughs) Um, So I don't mean to sound, you know, in any event, it's always just very comforting to connect with somebody right off the bat who is a complete stranger and to just go, oh, my gosh. I think we just became best friends. Um, So, Morgan, welcome to the show. Can I call you Dr. Cutlip? You can call me anything you want.
1: (laughs) You can just call me. I mean, I have a degree, and then after that, we can just call just call me Morgan.
0: I love it. I love it. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Oh, this is going to be so good. And I think really, really timely, um, especially because, you know, I think there's, whether you're a parent or not, sometimes we just always have, like when you're just like, it's been a day, or it's, you've got all the things going on in your life, you're being pulled in a million different directions. And it just you feel overwhelmed, you feel beat, you feel burnt out. Um, And that is so much your heart is for, especially for women um, and moms who are going through that. Um, but I think just in general, like, you know, what you do for a living. So let's have you dive in and give us the Morgan 101. So who you are, right. what you do, and how you got to where you are today.
1: <laughs> I'm like, and
0: then our time is
1: up. Yep. Um So <laughs> Okay. My name's Morgan Cutlip. Uh, That's a married name and it's injury to the lip is how you pronounce it. (laughs) And so I am a PhD in psychology and I've been in the relationship education field for over 15 years. And it's different than like seeing clients. Something that uh, has been just kind of like what I've grown up in is taking psychological theory and research and translating it into practical tools. And how I got into this is my dad is in the same profession. And so he actually was a pastor and then went back and got his doctorate when I was in grade school. And um, I would go to classes with him. Like I would pack a plastics, you know, fake doctor's kit full of candy and markers and sit in class and just kind of hang out with my dad. And uh, we would play this game where he would give me cases of fake clients and ask me what I would do to help them. And so I I think it was a social experiment, but like, (laughs) I just kind of, grew up in, in the, the psychological kind of conversation and, and world. And then, he started a practice and then a little while into his practice, he wrote a course for singles. And this was like before, like everybody's got a course now. This wasn't what people were doing 25, 30 years ago when he wrote his first course. And so I started going with him when he teach it. We'd go to churches and conferences. And eventually um, as I grew up, you know, I started speaking with him and decided, you know, well, if I'm going to do this, I got to have my own degrees to be able to stand you know, on my own two feet. And so feel like I've been doing the work that I've been doing for a very, very long time. I'm primarily focused on singles and married couples. And so maybe, I don't know, I'm pretty old. A long time ago, I was in the car with my dad and I said to him, uh, you know, someday I, I think I was like in college, sophomore year of college. It's like yeah. someday I want to do something to help women. And, uh, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew that's where my heart was. And, um, Many, many years later, our daughter Effie was born, who is mm. ten, 10 years old now.
0: And see, and oh I have a 10 year old daughter. We really are the same person. I
1: know we are the same. Yeah, and I have a <laughs> seven year old son. Do you have Look a, your other one, a son seven too? year old son?
0: Look at that. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's yeah, same, same. So Effie was born and I just went into motherhood thinking I was made for this. Like Mm. I will crush it. I'm going to rock at motherhood. This is what my calling is. And I was just smacked upside the head. I did not anticipate the loss of freedom, the overwhelm, the just like anxiety, the resentment I started to feel toward my husband who I've known since I was 14. We Mm. didn't date the whole time, but I've known him a long time, you know, and just feeling like what is going on? And because I had such high expectations, I had a long way to fall, I guess, because I just regularly felt like I was falling short and just felt so buried by motherhood. Mm. And and I knew at that point, you know, I wouldn't always feel this way. And I knew I didn't have the answers, but I knew I had the skill sets to figure out how to empower moms to navigate motherhood differently and so that's when I made up my mind this is what I wanted to do so it's just such a like a joy and honor for me to be able to share a book about this exact thing now many many years later okay
0: i love this and let me just say off the bat you are not that old okay i don't know how old Well you i mean are, you know. <laughs> but you're like i'm old
1: Too- I'm too old to do the math. Yeah. You, know, you like reach that point. You're like, I don't know, a decade, two decades. Like I'm not old, but I'm like, I, I know. want to
0: figure it out. I know. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to say your age if you don't want to, but um, I'm 41. You're 41. Okay. So you don't look yeah. 41. So, uh, it's I mean, my ring light. <laughs> I know it is. Also, what is your skincare routine? Um, do you hydrate? How much water do you drink? Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So I'm 38. So we're, we're both in that same, we're, we're in the same age bracket same age and uh, 30, what is it? 36 to 44. When you have to like click <laughs> you know, the you check that box, you know, what box are you I'm in? Biggest, I know. I, I know. I know. But I relate so much to what you were sharing as far as, you know, when you enter motherhood and you, and you have this idea of what you think it's going to look like and how rapidly Mm -hmm. (laughs) that changes um, (laughs) almost immediately. Um, I mean, for me, it was like from pregnancy to delivery uh, because, you know, I was all... I'm going to do this. I'm going to, everything is going to be natural and I'm just going to have no medication. (laughs) And my birth is going to be pain-free and amazing. And um, (laughs) then my daughter, I carried my daughter to 42 weeks in the middle of August in North Carolina. And, you know, the finally went into labor and labored for 26 hours and still only 22 of those with no medication. And then, um, (gasps) and then finally uh, at, hour 26, I was still at five centimeters. And so they were like, we think we have to just cut her out of you. So then I just ended ugh. up having a C-section. So it was great. So it's like I went from, oh, you know, like, why did I do all that? If yeah. I was gonna- <laughs> like, the, wh- what did I do this for? It's like, I just did all this work for, you know, to just end up having, you know, anyway. Uh, but so, yeah, so ugh. but it's like, so it's like you have you go into pregnancy and you yeah. go into childbirth and you have this plan and you think it's like amazing and I mean I remembered I like I even had a a whole music playlist that I thought I was going to want to listen to and then I turned out I didn't want to hear anything and then there was I remember the Cosby show which was like this was before like we knew that Bill Cosby was problematic Um, (laughs) there's like the Cosby show was on TV and my husband's sitting there laughing at the Cosby show and I remember just being like stop laughing (laughs) any sound hurts any (laughs) sound (laughs) I was like no shut let it all down anyway. so but I feel like on a microcosm level like it's just the or the micro level it's just this I this idea of you have these plans, you have these thoughts and mind you're ahead of mm-hmm. you when you're going into parenthood. And then you realize, oh, wait, that's not actually how all this works. Well, I
1: think I think you bring up a great point, which is that these expectations, like so many women go into birth uh, (laughs) with a plan and it ends up going completely sideways or it ends up being exactly what they were really trying to avoid. And so we begin motherhood so often already feeling like and it's not our fault, but we still can feel like we fell short somehow, like already. Yeah, already. I didn't get it right. Yeah. And so. So if like that's your entry point, which it is for so many of us (laughs) women, it's it's really starting us off at such a disadvantage.
0: Oh, yeah. And then you just have all of the the varying experts that are, you know, do you breastfeed? Do you not breastfeed? Do you? Oh, if you do formula, you're a terrible parent. Or uh, if you do baby led weaning or not baby led weaning. And I mean, it's just it's so overwhelming. And I think back to, um, you know, I was actually while I was working on my book, I was writing this this chapter kind of about my childhood and my, and my, my parents, uh, approach to raising me. Cause my parents were older. I mean, I was born in 85, mm-hmm. but my, my dad was 41 when I was born. My mom was 38. And so they were, you know, which at that time was yeah. pretty, uh, it was pretty unheard of to have kids that late. And yeah. my mom died when I was in high school. And so, you know, she wasn't around mm-hmm. when I was pregnant and stuff. And so I remember asking my dad, you know, like, Do- were there parenting books? Like, you know, there wasn't parenting <laughs> bloggers. It wasn't Instagram. Like where were like Dr. Spock? I don't know. My dad said it was this guy by the name of T. Barry Brazelton and his in his parenting <laughs> tapes. Do you know T. Barry Brazelton? Vaguely familiar, yeah, but- <laughs> yeah. So it was like T. Barry Brazelton VHS tapes was where my mom got her parenting advice, and um, and so it's just like anybody that is listening that is probably like over the age of like fifty or sixty is like, oh yeah, I remember T. Barry Brazelton <laughs> and his set of like parenting VHS tapes, and he's like all about holistic parenting, but like it, that was the one. input my mom had and it wasn't this just barrage of information that we have at our fingertips that is both a blessing and a curse these days and so it's you're right it's especially for new moms they just they start off on this foot of just immediately feeling overwhelmed I mean I don't think there's a new mom that I've spoken to in the last 10 years who hasn't shared those thoughts and then of course when you have subsequent children it completely changes and then mm-hmm. my sweet friends who have like four, five, six kids, they're just by the by the fourth, fifth, and sixth, they're just like, whatever, whatever. You, you want a Fanta at three days old? Sure, go go <laughs> ahead. It's I'm fine. out of formula. Here's a Fanta. I'm all out of formula. Here's seventy three <laughs> grams of sugar. It's fine. Um, you know what I mean. So it's just so. Yeah, you go from one extreme it's, to yeah, the other. I, I asked my mom that question that you asked your dad
1: and she was like, oh, you know, I don't know. I just called my friend and did whatever they did. And I was like, that's it? That was your, like, how do you know your friend wasn't, you know, loony about it, what they were doing? And so- I do think that, I mean, there's so many aspects that impact how we experience motherhood and why it feels like it does today. And one of them totally is this information consumption age that we live in. And I think, you know, I'm part of this, of this, I don't know, group, I suppose, but like these social media experts who provide tidbits of information that do not capture your specific scenario. And I think it leaves parents and moms specifically, because we're usually ones like reaching the depths of the internet, trying to find the solutions and like crack the code to whatever, sleep, our kids' tantrum, their feeding issues, their colic, whatever it might be. And it leaves us feeling like almost like we don't really know what we're doing because we have to find the right way to do it. And then it all ends up conflicting. Mm. And I think it leaves us really extra overwhelmed and super hyper vigilant in how we approach parenting. I remember, so our daughter- I don't even know if she was that hard of a kid, but like she just felt really hard to me because I did not. I, I expected who my parents said I was, which was very easy. Also, I think I just shoved it all down kind of thing. <laughs> like I just relatable. Like, this is why. I, yeah. Why I have stomach issues. I just I swallowed it. But. You know, she didn't. And she had tantrums starting at, I think, 15 months. Just I thought she was possessed. They felt demonic. She would bite me and attack me. And um, I didn't know what the heck to do about this. And a lot of the stuff I said, so I went to the books. Usually that's where I went first. And uh, I wasn't on social media. And everybody was sort of saying, you know, you don't name the emotion. You know, you're really upset right now. You know, do that. Name Mm -hmm. it to tame it. Every single time I did that, it inflamed it. She got angrier with me. She'd come at me 10 times as hard. And it just left me feeling like either something's wrong with me, something's wrong with our kid, or something's wrong with the both of us, but I cannot get this right. And so I I think that that is a really common experience when we're living in this age of all of these experts. And I don't know. I could just keep like you pile on to how we're parenting now, which is this whole cycle breaking mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we got to raise our kids to be so much better than we are. And we came out of our parenting experience with, you know, I'm using it a whole spectrum here, but with trauma and we want to raise our kids differently. And I think it's a beautiful thing, but we have swung so far that we just really go into our parenting So I feel like we're like walking on eggshells, we're tense, we're uptight, we're like, we got to word it perfectly, or this is going to be the moment that we mess up our kids. And then so it really does feel like we're parenting, it's it's a whole new game right now. Mm -hmm. The way we mother is we've got all new obstacles we're trying to contend with. And one of the biggest is ourselves and the pressures we put on ourselves to do it just so.
0: Oh, such a good input. And I'm really curious to know for you as somebody who, I mean, by both like the way you were raised and in, and the way that you, you know, kind of traveled with your dad and, and kind of was almost in his shadow a little bit for a while. But yeah. then you became, you know, an expert psychotherapist. You became a, you know, you started studying relationships. Like you have your a doctor in front of you. And so you <laughs> have this like decades plus experience in this world and you see that from like a very, um, I don't know if clinical is the right word, but that's kind of like what I'm trying to convey here is you have the the knowledge, the know-how, and then you became a parent yourself. And so you had this knowledge and information before you became a parent. And so I'm curious for you, like, what what was that like for you on your own journey when you had this knowledge and information going into the parenting world And you felt like you were equipped and like you were like, yeah, I'm ready, I'm game. Like you said, I'm gonna kill this mothering thing. And then all of a sudden, that wasn't like in a different way. Yours was the 26 hours of labor ending in a C section. Like, you know, just like you went in with this plan and it didn't go how you envisioned. What was that process like for you? Did you have almost like an identity crisis or was it, you know, just questioning is everything I've learned wrong? You know, (laughs) I'm curious. (laughs) Well, I feel I mean, I think that having the
1: expect having the degrees, having the education, having that experience definitely set me up with really high expectations for myself. I think one of the highest like the source of my highest expectations is probably that I had like pretty decent parents. Mm. So it's like, oh, I'll just do what they did. It was, you know, worked out all right for them. So I'll just repeat that. And so all these things, I think, set me up to really feel my failures. I mean, I know they're not failures, but feel that stuff a bit harder. I will say though, in my education, and I can't speak for everybody else who's got a doctorate in psychology, but like, I didn't get a parenting course. Mm-hmm. You know, we're learning psychological theory and diagnoses and abnormal and neuroscience. I'm not learning about what to do when my daughter is like biting my arm while she's flailing on the floor. And so I think that in many ways it was like, gosh, that really didn't equip me for practical aspects of my life. Yeah. And so um, I, 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 you know, and I think too, you know, it. so I guess it didn't really make it worse for me except for the expectations. But I do think that it served me as I went to different resources, as I went to the books and I'd read a book and I'd be like, Okay, that doesn't fit with anything that I know about how we work as humans and what I think makes sense to me. And so I think in that way it actually ended up serving me um, in in terms of how I came out of it. But I would say in just in general, I felt like I went through an identity crisis. I felt really small and mm. invisible, and like I was withering away in my role as a mother. And most of that sort of pressure came from. How I was mothered myself, Um, my mom was adopted and she was adopted by she was she was uh, put up for adoption at birth and then was adopted by um, my grandma's not going to listen to this. But my, my my grandma is a woman who is there for everybody else, every member of the community, but not there for her own. Child Mm. type of situation. So, my mom grew up with an abandonment experience and then what felt like a a neglect sort of childhood. She felt very alone. And so, she went into mothering, like, I am going to do the exact opposite of what Mm. I experienced, which is, I think, how we grow from really, you know, horrible circumstances. Sometimes some of the best qualities in us come from pain and hurt. And she, you know, she like really overcorrected. So, I had a mom who was was next level. And I think that is part of what affected me the most is that then I went into motherhood, just taking my experiences with her that, you know, kind of lived in me forever. um, But then came out after we had kids um, as these really high expectations and was like, oh, I've got to do this, this, and this. My mom did this, this, and this. And my life didn't look like her life. You know, I was... Working with my dad, uh, my husband travels almost every single week. I was solo. I so, still to this day, I solo parent most of the time, and so it didn't look the same. And so I really, it took me a while to figure out. Oh, okay, I don't have to hold these expectations for myself. I can make some adjustments for what works for me and our family.
0: Mm, man, I mean that's such a uh, important point, and um, and. It, you know, this is a really common thing. And I think we can take even the the aspect of parenting out of it. But I think obviously, for your context, the parenting piece is is really important. But how we as human beings, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. So if you've listened for a while, and you're like, you've talked about this, then my apologies. <laughs> but I think it bears re- repeating. And it's this concept of that life in general is a series of overcorrections. And my yes. husband has actually, um, he wrote a blog post about this like a couple of years ago. And it was really interesting to to hear, to read how he'd kind of articulated it. And it's just how basically, whatever we see and whatever we experience, as a society, we then mm-hmm. tend to overcorrect that thing. And it's and. Which has benefits in that you're correcting wrongs that have been done in society or whatever. But then sometimes we go almost to an extreme that then we have to like rein it back in. And so and it's just like you can see it in everything. And so when you see that constantly, both in society, in marriages, in uh, you know, in how we raise kids, in dating, Mm -hmm. um, in the church. Uh, I mean, we could go, we could do like a whole podcast on that. It becomes this vicious cycle of this series of overcorrections where we're constantly trying to overcorrect for the mistakes of the previous generation. But then it just leaves us, uh, sometimes feeling like we're, you know, almost trying to just keep our head above water. Um, because we feel like we're drowning, um, in, in trying to overcorrect for, for the sins of the past.
1: Oh, I mean, we're there. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. I think it's such a wise thing to call out. And you know, when you look at the research on millennials as parents, I mean, there's all these really good things, which is um oh, and also our generation is the most the generation that spends the most on like self-improvement. Oh, yeah. And that type of like we're all about correcting the, the, the wrongs of the previous generation, but we have taken it really far. When you look at the research on millennials as parents, we have sort of moved parenting to the center. And I think even things like partnering have moved to the peripheral, which I think is a little dangerous because in my opinion, it all sort of, you know, they all connect, it all goes together, all of these things. And so I, I totally agree with you. We have overcorrected and um it's it's all done with good intentions but sometimes too much of a good thing becomes bad and we have left ourselves in a place where we are parenting so intensely that we
0: can't help but feel like we're regularly getting it wrong. Right. And to your point, I think, uh, and what's the phrase, like the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's like, the reality is, is sometimes we have to name these things. We have to name, call out that, Hey, this is a, this is a massive overcorrection. Um, I mean, I have so many thoughts on, on that in particular and that, that Mm -hmm. particular concept, but I think just in general, like for this context, like, especially in, in Parenting and in motherhood, um, you know, we you have to call out these things. You have to call out that moms today, parents today, but especially moms, are just facing a much different parenting climate um, climate for raising your kids than ever before. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's not that our problems are unique. It's that they're just different um, in that, in that, like, or I guess I should say that yes, our problems are unique, but every generation of mothers has faced problems. It's yes. just ours are just different. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think about, you know, Gen X um, and, and boomers, like when they were raising their kids, they're raising their kids, especially boomers, are raising their kids in a post-war, I mean, they're coming out of World War II, and then they're raising kids during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And then you have Gen X, who's Again, coming out of a (laughs) post-war climate, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, very, you know, you've got the, uh, you know, invention of the internet and, you know, the prevalence of cell phones and those things are coming out. And then all of a sudden, then you have millennials that are raising their kids where it's just you're inundated with all of these things. And it's just it's it becomes too much. It becomes too much. But it's like everybody's faced problems, but, but they're just different. Yeah, and I think, like, our goals as generations
1: have been different. You know, I, I think I don't know exactly. I haven't put a lot of thought to this, but, like past generations, like our parents' generation, maybe their goal was, you know, to have hardworking kids who like move out someday, even though the majority of us came back and lived with our parents again. You know, I don't know. I think it was, you know, the end goal was way different. Whereas as millennials, I think our goal is to raise kids who um are like emotionally intelligent mm-hmm. and who maybe don't need therapy as much as our generation <laughs> or things like that. And so I I think that we have to acknowledge that. And that's part of what shapes our parenting trajectory is that we're after something totally different. But I I say this over and over again, when I speak to moms, um, and it's that no child will leave their childhood experience without something. And I know that that sounds really depressing. I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble, but the reason why is because we can parent with all. The heart we have with as perfect as we, you know, try to be and with all sorts of really good intentions. But the way that we are interpreted by our children is way out of our control. So we have good intent, but the interpretation of us may be completely different. And so we can do our best to try to make sure everything's kind of clear and we have clear lines of communication with, with our kids we might have like one experience is just like totally, you know, totally means well-intentioned. And our kid was like, oh, I felt really dismissed during that that exchange. It's like, you can't control these things. And then that's their duty as an adult leader. you know, their job to sort of work through that sort through it, make meaning, engage in conversation. But we really need to dial back some of the pressure we place on ourselves. We are really operating with this belief that people are really fragile um, and are easily affected in ways that will impact them for the rest of their lives. And people are affected, but also people um, have the ability to work through these things as they get older. And I'm not saying to, like, go out and traumatize your kid. That's not
0: what I'm saying, no, but I'm saying
1: I, put I it in perspective. It gives you, you know, the... We need to-
0: Yeah, it gives you the freedom to be like forgiving of yourself and forgiving of your kids and understanding that like we are all flawed human beings and it's helping your kids understand that.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think there's such a powerful tool in how we repair with our children if we do mess up um, and then also how we just. Work to develop relationships where there's open lines of communication. So we can, you know, if there is a misunderstanding and our child comes to us, we can talk, talk it over and have that conversation. But this intense pressure is just not, it's just not doing us any favors.
0: Yes, I, I I totally agree. And I think it's such, again, I I think naming it is really the key. Because I think that that what that does is it, you know, I, I think especially coming from a faith perspective, which both I know you and I both do mm-hmm. is when you name something, you no longer keep it in the dark. And yeah. you no longer you're not shoving it under a rug, you're actually dealing with it. Um, yeah. And so I think now that we've kind of set this up about the realities of what parents are facing, what moms are facing, um, because I, I think they're for a very long time. And I think this is historically as well, but I think our generation for some reason, even more uniquely has put motherhood on a pedestal in which if we somehow have given our kids too much screen time, we have failed them as parents, Mm -hmm. or if we didn't baby wear, or if we didn't do X, Y, or Z, or if we're not cooking all organic meals, like then we have failed our children. Um, you know, or if we didn't, you know, during the summer, if we don't have the summer bucket list and we don't have the, the days planned out hour by hour, it's, it's exhausting. And I think back to like, when I was a kid, like I look back, I had an amazing mom who was very involved, but like when I went, when I woke up in the morning during the summertime, I went outside and I drank from a water hose all day. And then I, didn't come back until the street like came on. Like I, yeah. And that wasn't that was just what it was. I mean, and, and now we're like, did we play enough with our kids well,
1: yeah. today?
0: <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. I know. And I've gotten to the point where I've had to like have conversations with my kids and tell them like. You know, because I love spending time with my kids. I got my kids are hilarious and they're fun, and um, you know, and I know what their individual love languages are. But I also know like where where my limits are. Um, like mm-hmm. for example, last night I took my daughter to go see Wicked, the musical, and like oh, I so love doing things like that with her. Where it's these these experiences, whether it's you know we're going to go get lunch together, or we get our nails done, or not. We actually don't do that that much. But when we have done that, we're <laughs> going to go see a musical together. Like I love that. And that's how I enjoy spending time with her. That's how she enjoys spending time with me. You know, we, we bond over experiences. My son, like his love language is games. Like if you could just sit and play a board game with him for hours, like that is his jam. But I remember the other day the kids came in and it was actually on Labor Day. And, uh, you know, they were off school and they came in and they were like, Mom, will you play hide and seek with us? And I was like, I will not. And I love you guys very much, but I actually really don't like the game of hide, hide and seek. <laughs> I just was straight up honest. I was like, I love that you guys love that game. That is not mommy's game. Like, I I don't <laughs> like it. It's I never liked it. I was like, and I'm probably like making somebody real mad right now. Like, I can't no. just play hide and seek with your kids. And I was like, I love you guys. If y'all want to play Yahtzee later, like, let's do it. I will play some Yahtzee with you. Yeah. Like hide and seek is not my jam. I will not be fun. And I will just be miserable playing hide and seek. I also hate tag. And that is because I don't like being chased. I didn't like tag as a nine year old. And I don't like (laughs) it as a 38 year old. Um, You know what I mean? And so but I think it's having those conversations with my kids where I'm just like, showing them. I love you. I would love to hang out. If you guys want to play that game. 100% go for it. It doesn't make me a bad mom that I don't want to play hide and seek or tag with you. (laughs) No, but there are, there are a lot of people who would, who
1: would have that same experience and would play hide and seek, but kind of hate it the whole time, but because they would have so much guilt around, around, like, I have to continually play with my kids. I remember um, it was so weird. but well, I, I had this friend. She moved away. It's such it's such a sad thing when you like have this friend. I had a friend. We like did life together. Yes, when our kids were little, our kids are the same ages, and we would every Tuesday meet up at this restaurant right on the beach. It's like, I don't know. I sound fancy. but it was really nice. And um, I was eating my lunch one day, and I think Roy came up and was like trying to eat my food. And I'm like, no, this is mine. <laughs> <laughs> get away from me! This is my this is my special lunch today. You don't yeah. get to have any of it, and you eat your food. And she said to me maybe weeks later, "Oh my gosh, that stuck with me, and like for so hard because I always give my kids my food, and then I'm mad that I did." Yeah, <laughs> it's like sometimes we need that permission to not make everything about our kids, right? And I, I. think a lot of us then if we if we act on that permission we'll feel guilty about it and so we have to deal with what's underneath um that guilt in order to kind of ban get that get rid of it because it's not serving us but I, I had this experience in writing my book where I came across this woman's research, her name's Sharon Hayes, and she came up with the term intensive mothering. And this was such an aha moment for me when I read through her research, but I feel like it's like fits everything we're talking about. She came up with the term intensive mothering in five areas that make up intensive mothering. And it's um, the first one's essentialism, which is essentially like moms are the best ones for the job. So if you like send your kid to daycare or you have your partner do some stuff or you ask for help, you're basically subjecting your kid to second rate care because you're the one that's best for the job. Uh, the second is uh, everything should be child-centered, which is kind of what we're talking about, is everything revolves around them. The third is that it should be stimulating for our kids. We should create these manufacture these stimulating environments, these Montessori types of playrooms, You know, setting up these activities every day for our children, which becomes so exhausting. Fulfilling that, that becoming a parent, specifically a mother, should really complete us in a particular way, be totally fulfilling. And then the last is that it's um, supposed to be really, really hard. And when she researched these five areas, she found that um, there was this uh, impact of when you become a mother; it's temporary, but that women had higher rates of depression and anxiety and lower life satisfaction. But I think what's cool about her research is that when she dug deeper, she found that it wasn't actually a direct impact of becoming a mother on these negative outcomes. It was actually through the belief. In these five areas and so if you can change the way you interact with these five areas and some of your belief systems the negative effects of motherhood really almost went away and so we again it's one of those things like let's name it let's put it on the table let's shine light on it okay now you can do something about it yeah now you're empowered to make a shift
0: right and I think, that, again, I think it's so important to to name it, to give give people the permission to address these things. And this mm-hmm. now this is not permission to, like, be a crappy parent. No, but I think it's it's naming your strengths and identifying mm-hmm. your strengths. And my husband and I actually I think it was like a month ago where he sat down and like I was just feeling overwhelmed about some things. And, and in any event, we kind of talked about it. he was like, what are the things that you just don't? want to do with our kids. like, <laughs> And I, I was like, do I have permission to like say these things? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I don't like to play hide and seek. I don't like to play tag. Like, I don't want to like, I'm just not, I like to hang out with my kids. I like to do things with my kids. Mm-hmm. I have always struggled to enjoy like playing with my kids, if that makes sense. Oh, I think most parents really struggle with it. And like, I would, I remember, you know, I could only play pretend kitchen when my kids were toddlers, like Mm -hmm. for so long. And I really, but like, I will sit and I will read books to my kids for hours. Like, I love reading to my kids. I love playing music with my kids, or, you know what I mean? Like, or learning about something together. That I really enjoy. Whereas like my husband can go outside and like play catch or, you know, play front yard mm-hmm. football with my kids for hours, like, and they love it and he loves it. That is just not my jam. And it doesn't make me a bad mother. <laughs> like it just makes me, you know, I just, I enjoy spending my t- time with my kids in other ways. Um, but I think so often you're right. We we get this sense of mom guilt of like, and I'm not saying that there are not times where I just like, I suck it up and I do the thing that I don't like love to do because it's, it really means a lot to my kid in that moment, but I think it's, it's also helping them to see that I am a whole person outside of just being their mom and I have, and so it's not sacrificing my entire identity, which I know that this is like the whole heart of your book is like, it's not Mm -hmm. sacrificing who I am on the altar of motherhood. Um, Yes. And it's finding that, that balance and finding that medium and helping my kids to understand that they also have play a role in this and that our relationship is not just mother to child but it's child to mother as well and so how like it's this you know it's obviously it's a d- very different relationship than I have with my husband but like think about you know there's really not another relationship in our lives where You know, if I if you and I, which we are clearly friends now, but like say we were neighbors and like really best friends, like if I was just. Pouring everything into our relationship, doing everything you wanted to do, never doing anything I wanted to do, never saying, hey, what if we compromise and we do something together Mm -hmm. like that would be a one sided relationship that's incredibly unhealthy and not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Same with marriage. Like if, if in my marriage, I was just constantly every day doing things my husband wanted to do, being at his beck and call like that would be a toxic, unhealthy marriage. And yet, as moms, we find ourselves in these positions where we are constantly sacrificing everything for our kids. We're canceling plans with our friends to be with our kids. We are shifting our entire lives to be around our kids and their activities. We Mm -hmm. are making them entirely separate meals for their convenience and consumption. Um, I just, I clearly have a lot of thoughts about this, but at the end of the day, like that is an unhealthy relationship. If we are not going and realizing that they are also in relationship with us and they have to understand, like, I understand that they're children and that they are on a different, uh, you know, emotional capacity, but that's our job as parents is to teach them how to be in relationship with other people. And part of that is their relationship that they have with their mom and their dad. Anyway, clearly I have thoughts about this and I've stepped on I'm the like, soapbox.
1: Well, my head's like swirling. So was like, <laughs> I have so many different places I could go with this response because <laughs> there's so many things. I think one thing I, um, that popped in my head, there were a few, lots of things, but one of them was, um, Well, I totally agree with what you're saying, by the way. I feel like a lot of moms don't know where they end and their kids begin. Like they just start to like meld together. And then I think one of the really just ironic parts of how we all like regularly exist in motherhood is that we self-sacrifice for our relationships because we love them so dearly. Like they are the most important thing. Very much, very much. So, so much. But then we sacrifice so much, we become so small that all of a sudden we're like grumpy and irritable and snapping at these little children that we adore and we're like, and it's because we've sacrificed everything for the sake of the relationship. So we end You're up resenting hurting the relationship. Resenting you, resent. you get to the point where you resent your kids. And 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 it's just this it's just ironic that we get there because we're really trying to care for that relationship. So I think another thing that popped in my head was um there's this theory called social exchange theory. And it's really simple. It's basically like in relationships, you um, have these exchanges with people. And if it's inequitable, then you're like, this relationship is is not for me. Just like you were saying, if you pour into me as your neighbor and I never return, it's like, this isn't good. And um, it works like that in our partnerships and in our marriages. This is a really prominent theory. Um, It makes a lot of sense and why resentment can develop. But with our kids, it's a little bit of a unique situation because I do believe that we gain from our children. I don't think that we just they just take from us. I think there's lots of really deep, meaningful things we gain from them. Definitely. But it is more giving than getting yeah. in the day-to-day. Like For I sure. just I mean, you just add up the amount of snacks I get a day. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I already gave yeah. you like yeah. way too many things. And um, so this is why it's important that we are able to figure out a sustainable way for us to care for us. Like we have to supplement as moms Mm -hmm. our own care in this specific relationship because it is going to be a bit inequitable. It's designed to be that way. It's okay that it's that way. But if we lean into that imbalance without ever pouring into ourselves, then again, we end up in that same place of resentment and irritability and snappiness at our
0: kids. And so uh, it's just... I mean, I could go on and on and on. Yeah. Why it's so important. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I, there's obviously, there's so much nuance to this. Um, And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think it, you know, and, and I think the relationship changes. And in fact, I had, um, I'm thinking back to an interview I did with Sandra Stanley back at the beginning of the year. Um, she and Andy uh, Stanley had come mm-hmm. out with a book called Parenting yeah. and um, I think it was called Getting It Right. And basically, but one of the things that they had talked about, I, it's not original to them, but, you know, the different stages of parenting when mm-hmm. and I do not have it off the top of my head. But just generally speaking, you know, you have kind of birth to the through the toddler years where you're really just in triage mode. <laughs> like you're just, oh, really? you're just in it. And of course, the relationship you know, but in this context, like the relationship is going to be incredibly inequitable at that age because that is exactly how it is designed to be. But, you yes. know, and then as you get older and you're you're disciplining them and you're helping them to learn and to grow. And then, of course, they get into the kind of the preteen years and into the teen years. And then, Lord willing, like when they flee the coop, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and then, of course, your relationship is going to change even into adulthood. And uh, Sandra was talking about how one of the biggest joys for them as parents her and andy as parents now is you know they parented as their kids were were being raised with the relationship that they wanted long term Mm -hmm. in mind and for Mm -hmm. them it was at the end of the day when our kids are grown and out of the house we want them to enjoy and want and desire to come home and visit us and to yes. spend time with us. And we want them to be friends with each other and, you know, as siblings and, she said, and, you know, by the grace of God, that that's how it is. And she's like, you know, Mm -hmm. our kids look forward to coming to visit and they just had some grandkids, you know, born and, and she's like, and the greatest joy too, is, you know, our kids genuinely love each other and like each other and they hang out without us being there and they call each other and they hang, you know, and and so she's like, that's what what our desire was. And Mm -hmm. obviously it was hard and there was, there was, but the, the relationship grew and changed and evolved over the years. And so, yeah, But I, I think that that's so important to, to have that in mind, but to make sure that along the way, while you're in that triage mode to where the relationship is incredibly inequitable, but looking over the course of 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years of your parenting yeah. journey of how it's going to change, what it's going to look like, but that you don't lose yourself in the process. And so, and also like thinking about, you know, in, you know, if you're in a marriage relationship and if you're single, obviously this is going to look a little different, but if you're in a marriage relationship, like I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, I loved your daddy first. I love you so much, but like, I have to prioritize my marriage with your daddy because when you guys are gone, it's going to be, it's going to be me and daddy and we're going to be the ones hanging out together. And when y'all are at college, well, I
1: think this, what you talked about with the Stanleys is like the dream. Everybody yeah, wants that for to sure. be what happens in their life. And I, I think what you're, saying too is, you know, what I see at least is a lot of people, a lot of women mostly are in that triage space. Right. And where they have to sort of put themselves on the back burner because you have to, um, but then they end up staying there way, way, way too long. And so you get years into parenthood and you yeah. leave that baby stage, you're in the toddler stage and it's still easy to kind of backburn yourself during the toddler stage. And then you get into that early elementary and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I need anymore. I don't even know who I am. I don't even know what I enjoy. And so there, it, it feels like at that point, you're so far gone, you don't even know where to begin. And that's what I hear so much from women in my community. And I think what we're after, if you think about the Stanleys is like the goal and having these kids who want to be with you. I think you know, what you don't want to be, and I think we all know somebody who's got a mom like this or a parent like this, is that parent whose kid's are grown and have a family of their own. But maybe the mom was so lost in her kids. Everything was about them that now she like resents them having a life of their own. Mm -hmm. Oh, having your friends over again must be nice. Well, I guess we'll get an invite sooner or later. You know that those like snarky, passive aggressive comments where you're like you you had no identity yourself. And so. Now it's, it's painful for those types of parents and those moms to right. see their kids, leave them and see, we don't want to be in that place because ultimately that pushes our, our kids further away. And so, yeah, we have to, we have to stay on top of having some sort of identity through this process that really pulls us into wanting to stay, you know, swallow up our identity.
0: Well, I know that one of the big things that you love to talk about, I mean, this is obviously this, again, this is so your heart. I mean, you literally wrote an entire book called Love Your Kids Without Losing <laughs> Yourself. Um, but So there's a lot of layers to this. Um, but I know that... W- one of the terms that gets thrown around so much these days is this idea of self-care, which sometimes Mm. I want to poke a fork in my eye when I hear the term because it becomes this idea of, oh, self-care, like I'm going to take a bubble bath and I'm going to get a pedicure and I'm going to read a book and like, that's going to be my self-care. And let me just say, I love a bubble bath. I take one multiple nights a week. Love it. Big <laughs> fan. Love getting a pedicure. Don't get one as nearly as often as I would like because they are freaking expensive now. They um, they're so expensive now. How I'm like, expensive. why is it so expensive I to have know. someone else paint my toes? Um, yeah, like the last time I went to get a pedicure was probably over a year ago. It was like $65. I was yes. like, this is insane. Yeah. And it's just going to chip in three weeks. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, but you know, so what, what does real. Again, I'm not negating bubble baths and pedicures, guys. I love those. But that's not at the core. That is not legitimate, real self-care. And so what does that look like in this context where we are no, we're not making our lives 100% of the time about our kids? We have to have this moment where we are creating a life for ourselves as well. Well, while also making sure we're not swinging too far and in, in the pen, other pendulum and becoming uh, selfish and self-centered and and then sacrificing right. our kids on the right. altar of ourselves.
1: Because I do see that too. I oh, do see people 100%. who are who are like righteous about their identity, and you're like, no, that's not what we're saying. Right. You know, you've right. gone, you've gone too far. Uh, okay, so there's three reasons why self care really irritates me. I don't know if these will overlap for you, and then I'll tell, I'll say what I think actual self-care is. So the first is that um, self-care is usually what moms are told to do when we're struggling. And I just don't feel like we need more lists of things to do with a time we don't have. Mm -hmm. And When we don't get to these lists, we end up feeling crappy about not getting the stuff done on our list. It's like we already have a running list in our heads, likely out on paper. We don't need more things to put on that list. The other reason I don't like it is because it makes this assumption that moms don't feel bad about asking for the time, the space, the support, the resources, all the things, if they even have them, to accomplish all the self-care suggestions. Mm. And I, I hear mostly from women that they really struggle with feeling like they have a right to ask for time, a right to ask for um, their partner to step in more. They feel a lot of guilt when they take that time. So, you know, if they go get the pedicure the whole time, they're feeling crappy about how they left their kids. And so it's not even time well spent at that point. So I don't feel like uh, self-care, how it's traditionally talked about, addresses the deeper issues Correct. going on. And then the last is that self-care is almost always, not always, but almost always about our physical bodies. So it's like, like you said, take a bath, take a walk, drink more water. Listen, all these things will help. They're going to be, you know, you're going to feel better for a minute um, if you do this stuff, but they're not really the answer. And we're more than just our bodies. There's more to us, you know. So I believe that real self-care is my, my framework is that we have to get good at managing our relationship with ourselves so we recognize we have a relationship with our partner with our children with our friends coworkers, everybody we have a relationship but we don't often consider that we do have a relationship with ourselves and um part of i have so much to say so i'm like how much do i just no just, i love it I'm i love right it here. okay i'll keep going Um, Part of what we have to recognize is that You know, I start the book at this place, which is that life is going to regularly pull our relationships apart. Life has this way of disconnecting our relationships. So for example, having kids is this beautiful, wonderful blessing. It's super inconvenient for our marital relationships. And so that's just how life is. The normal, the expected, the tragic, the beautiful will all pull our relationships apart, including our relationship with ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so what we also know to be true is that our relationships don't just auto auto correct you know we know this in our relationship with our kids if i remember when roy was born that's our that's our son's name i really worried about feeling distant from effie and of course at some point i did And so I did something about it and I carved out time. And we sort of assume, though, especially in our relationships with our partner and most definitely in our relationships with ourselves, that we'll just autocorrect. We're like, oh, we'll get back to us in 18 years. Mm -hmm. And that's not how it works. And so if we can get on board with those first two things, life's going to mess us up we're going to get thrown out of whack. It's normal. Don't beat yourself up over it. Um, We're not going to autocorrect though. The third piece is we have to manage our relationships intentionally and um, especially our relationship with ourselves. And so that's what I believe true self-care is. And so in the book, I give a model of relationships because I don't like when things are just this ambiguous, like, ooh, manage your relationship with yourself, whatever that means. Um, It has to be really practical. So I give a model of what your relationship is. It's a picture and there are five areas which are um, bonds or connections that exist in all of our relationships. And this is what you manage. This is what you check in on. Things like how you know yourself. When you know yourself really well, you can take care of yourself and meet your needs in ways that actually make a difference. You know, you hate hide and seek. right? So now you don't need to play. Some people don't even really have any kind of uh, clue who they are, especially after becoming a mom. I feel like we've all had that experience where someone's like, how are you? And you're like, I'm good. And they're like, no, really? You're like, I don't know. I, I, You know, we just, through the momentum of life, we're so good at checking out and not even tuning into ourselves right. anymore and we lose touch with ourselves. So right. part of, of managing your relationship with yourself, true self-care is knowing yourself deeply. It's seeing yourself in a positive light. Mom struggles so deeply with this. This is where mom guilt comes in and all sorts of things. These expectations we talked about earlier, it's um getting to know your needs and how to assert them. Just with grace, you know, gracious assertiveness in our relationships and and carving out space for your needs. It's prioritizing in a way we can feel at peace with. And it's then the last part of my book is it's called Touch Purposefully. This is the last area of relationships we manage. It's the closest to self-care that I get in my book, but I talk about how, you know, our bodies speak to us. Our bodies are well-intentioned. They're always trying to correct to kind of bring us back into this like homeostasis, this balance. And, um, but a lot of times we don't listen to our bodies and we don't care for them in the ways that they need. And especially as moms, gosh, we're so good at chalking all of our aches and pains and stuff up to just normal motherhood stuff, prior right. from carrying the baby, probably from getting older, probably, you know, and we don't, we would never, treat our kids the way we treat ourselves. Yeah, We would never say, oh, Roy, you've got a stomach ache. I'll get to you in two years when I'm a little less busy, you know? Yeah, And so I think true self-care is really getting good at checking in with ourselves, making small adjustments that we can fit in the busy framework of our lives so we do not lose touch with who we are.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. We could do... Well, there's a lot of this that we could really break down and we could (laughs) do entire podcasts on. Um, And here we are running out of time Um, (laughs) because this would be nine hours long if we talked about all the things I really want (laughs) to unpack. Um, But I think this has been so helpful. Again, I I think so much of what we've done here is and what you do regularly. I know you do this on social media as well and, and through this book is like we said is is bringing these things to light because again when you name these things when you bring these things to light when you put them out in the open it allows the light to come in and it allows yeah. the darkness to to go away and you know i mean when jesus said i am the light of the world like and that is because you know he is bringing a light to in the darkness and 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 the darkness is where the you stub your toe and you say a bad word i mean there's just a lot that happens. And so when we put, when we bring these things into the light, when we allow Jesus to, to come into our lives and to shed light on the dark areas of our life, when we, and then when we can name things and, and that's where healing comes from, that's where mm-hmm. you're actually able to, um to grow and to move forward and to change gradually. And it doesn't become a giant overcorrection and it doesn't, yes. you're not, You know, just being like, "Well, I'm just gonna swing the pendulum over here," but instead, you're actually able to say, "No, no, 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 I'm gonna implement these little changes here or there." And like I said, that's Mm -hmm. something I've tried to do in motherhood. I've I've certainly screwed up along the way, and I've had to apologize to my kids, and I've had to say, "Mom did that one wrong," or whatever it was. You know what I mean? Uh, But we, we, we grow and we change and we evolve, and and you know, hopefully, we do that. um, You know graciously um, bit by bit because it's, I mean, motherhood is hard enough. So that's where, that's where we are. You're so, I couldn't
1: agree with everything you're saying more. I totally agree. I'm glad we were able to to talk
0: through all of these things today have a conversation. Oh, I love this so much. Um, okay. Well, Morgan, do you have any like last words of wisdom? And then also, of course, how can people best connect with you? And um, by the way, the day that this book or that this podcast come out, your book came out yesterday. So congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Um, and, and I'll go ahead and say it um, as I always do when I have authors on is if this conversation was helpful for you, if this was really kind of maybe striking a nerve, in some ways or something that was um, really, uh, you know, you're like, okay, I need this is go get this book. Love your kids without losing yourself by Dr. Morgan Cutlip. Uh, <laughs> go get it today. Um, because this I i can't wait to read it. Um, because this is just I know that this is a conversation that I and, and I I'm scratching the surface. On all of it.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I, okay, so I'm pretty accessible. You can find me all my stuff on my website. It's drmorgancutlip.com. To get the book there, you do backslash book or you can just buy it wherever you buy books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Target. I think the best price is at Christian Books. Mm. So that's where I would head first. Um, And I'm on Instagram, drmorgancutlip. It's all one word, no periods. And I'm pretty, unfortunately, Instagram is one of those blessings and curses. I'm on there way more than I want to be, but you can get a hold of me there. And then what I want to leave people with. This is always the hardest question for me because I'm like a yakker. I'm like, I don't know. Let's just appeal something apart. That's (laughs) one thing. Um, I think that. So I'll do a practical tip. I feel like something that regularly comes up when I talk to moms is that they don't know what they need anymore. And so I have a whole section in my book talking about how you can identify your needs, but I'll give you one hack for identifying your needs. And that is to look at something to look at what you complain about the most. Mm. I think our complaints are windows into our unmet needs. And so if you have that moment alone and you've just squandered it, scrolling on your phone, deciding whether you fold laundry or take a nap, next time, do a little bit of prep when you know you got some time coming up, think about what am I complaining about so much (laughs) and see if you can brainstorm some ideas for what you can do the next time you get a little bit of time and a little bit of peace to actually feel a bit more
0: fulfilled. So good. So good. Morgan, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. And uh, I'm really grateful for your wisdom. So great to meet you. Thanks for having me. I got so fired up during that episode. Love, love, love Morgan. And she is just a phenomenal human being. I hope you loved this episode. And I would love to know what you loved or if there was something that you learned, would you let me know on social media? You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Can I Laugh Pod wherever you get your social media. And would you take a moment to head on over to whatever podcast app you're listening to this on? And would you click that subscribe or follow button and take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review really does. Help me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. Thank you, as always, for listening. And thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. And for you, I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.